welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case, and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in the studio today is my co-pilot, Jeff Harding. Jeff, how are you doing today? I am amazing today. <laughs> wow. We, we've been upgraded. Yes. I, for some reason, it's just an amazing day, so <laughs> I am amazing today. Well, it is an amazing day, and uh, let me just say that you are also an amazing person. Well, I blush. Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> so, Jeff, let's play a little word association game, just uh, because you're amazing. And I'm good at this. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah I'm sure you are. <laughs> I'll bet this is one of those games that you actually really, really excel I'm at. I'm very creative when it comes to this, yes. <laughs> I'm sure you This is a little risky. Okay, so let's let's just let's just go for it and see okay. what happens. When I say working out, what are some of the methods that pop into your head? Uh, lifting weights, so resistance training, uh, walking, running, sleeping. Oh no, <laughs> that's just one of my favorite workouts. Yeah, so um, all good things. Yes, all of those things are good things. All of those things are really really good things. I think. Um, a lot of people would say running. You said running. That's mm. one of the things that people associate with working out. It's kind of uh, the quintessential workout method. It is. It's relatively accessible to people. It's pretty inexpensive. It's fairly easy to do, and there's lots of benefits. That's right. Uh, from working out. Um, but some people, I think, might avoid running because they feel like they can't run fast. Well, yeah. And so they, you know, they just decide that they don't do it. But that's, they shouldn't let that be a deterrent. Don't no. don't let that stop you. There are plenty of reasons to run and maybe even some benefits to running slow. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to talk about today. A few benefits of actually running slow. Well, Not yeah. just running in general, but that's actually probably a running, slow. At. running <laughs> yeah. slow. Yeah, I think this is something that I could also do uh, better than maybe running fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so number one, a uh, reason why you might uh, consider working out and, and running even though you run slow because it's a, it's a benefit to you, and that is that you'll, you're less likely to get injured. That's true. So one of the reasons why people stop running is because of Injury. injuries, right? Sure. And uh, one of the main reasons for those injuries is because people run too fast, too hard, too soon. Many people, they get excited. They want to mm-hmm. start a workout program. They head out the door, and they run as hard as they can. And no matter how often uh, or hard they work out, um, they, you know, some, sometimes they, they yeah. create those injuries, right? So running at a fast pace puts tremendous stress and strain on your body, especially if you haven't worked up to it. Right. And after a fast run, your muscles, tendons, ligaments, and bones sustain some kind of trauma. And over the long run, this sustained trauma can lead to burnout. And as we've said, injuries, whether you're just starting to run or you've been running for years, a slow run might be a great way to just change up your fitness routine or to build up Right. Your resistance. Unless you're being chased by a bear or a mountain lion. In which case you want to run fast. Yes. Okay. Or at least as fast as the person who's with you. Or just faster. A little bit faster, right? (laughs) Number two, you'll help your body adapt to running if you start out slow. Well, yeah. One of the benefits. So if you haven't run in a while or or maybe if you haven't ever run, slow running is a great way to slowly work your body back into this type of movement. It can help your tendons, your ligaments, your joints, your bones, and your muscles build up strength and get used to the stress of running. Slow runs are also a great way to incorporate active movement the day after a tough workout. Sure. So just a way to get those muscles loosened back up. Mm -hmm. The number three benefit of slow running, you'll see huge mental and emotional benefits. There you go. So that's just a benefit of running. But no matter how fast or how slow you go, the mental benefits of running are, are pretty clear. Mm -hmm. Running has been shown to lower stress, 
improve your self-esteem, and even keep your mind sharp. And research shows that running can protect your brain against Alzheimer's disease to some degree. That's right. So it's, it's, it's a great way to go. And again, don't let the fact that you're not running a four-minute mile keep you from doing it. In fact, if if that's your expectation, forget it. Change right now. those change yeah, those expectations, right? For most of us, yeah. <laughs> for most of us. Okay, number four, you'll improve your cardiovascular health. Of course, that's what most of us think, right? When we think of running, but even uh, running at a, a, a moderate or a slow pace still has some some significant sure. heart benefits. It's good for our hearts. It's good for our lungs and arteries. And research confirms that these benefits occur no matter the pace that you run. Slow mm. and fast running have similar effects when it comes to lowering blood pressure, cholesterol and the risk of heart disease. And then number five, you'll be able to exercise pretty much anywhere. So That's true. One of the best parts about running is that you can do it anytime, anywhere. You'll save time uh, and money by not commuting to the gym. And since you can do it anywhere, travel workouts become even easier. All you got to do is just throw on a pair of shoes, pair of shorts, and you're ready to go. And if you're really stuck in the, in the hotel traveling somewhere, you can run in place. In place, that's right. That's about the slowest pace you can run. Right. And, uh, you know, running may be a, a fun way to explore your surroundings sure. if you're on the road. Yeah. So if you're just starting out or thinking of maybe taking up running, here's just a couple of thoughts to, okay. to consider. Number one, or not number one, but just a few things to think about. Try alternating minutes of running with walking breaks in between. That's a good way to work into it. Sure. And these short walking breaks help lower fatigue and soreness and accelerate your post-run recovery. Plus, you may also find that you're able to run faster when you take short walk breaks, especially over long distances. Yeah. And we've also found um, that that is called interval training. Right, and there that. are right. some real significant cellular benefits to interval training, like mm-hmm. re- re- down at the cell level. So uh, a good way to go about it. So, yeah, don't let, don't let your pace necessarily uh, keep you out of um, you know, the, uh, the benefits of, of running. Right. A slow run is still a good run. Right. Well, I have this built-in governor uh-huh. asthma <laughs> that keeps me from running yeah. fast. If yeah. I, if I so it's all, fast, it's just, I can't it's, breathe. It's so. just set. Yeah. And that it is what it is, and yep. you just uh, listen to the governor that's built in. That's right. Awesome. Well, today's guest is not new to the Active Life uh, radio program. We have visited with Hannah Rothlin before. Hannah is a kinesiologist and a mind-body specialist at the Live Well Center at the Dixie Regional Medical Center. She's also a fall-proof and balance and mobility specialist and has been in the wellness industry for more than 30 years. And we are excited to have you back on the show, Hannah. Thank you for joining us. Great. It's great to be here. So based on your experience on what we just talked about, does any of that make sense? Does that ring true, running fast, slow, benefits? What, What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think you did a great description of uh, you don't have to run fast. You just need to get out there, find a a slow pace, and it's about consistency. Even if you're walk, run, walk, run, interval training is really important. Awesome. I I like that. I tend to agree with that. Um, Again, don't let the pace determine. So today, uh, Hannah, we want to talk about a, a number of things, but we also want to get to know you just a little bit better. You, um, as we were talking out in the hallway, you actually have had uh, considerable experience as an athlete during your life. Is that correct? Is that fair to say? Yeah. What are some of the sports that you personally have been involved in? Well, um, when I was in college, I played tennis and volleyball. Okay. And uh, uh, At the college level, not, not intramural, but actually played... On intercollegiate teams. Yes. Wow, yes. awesome. I was uh, I, I was at Sonoma State in Northern California, and uh, the 
number one singles and doubles player in tennis and um, that was really great experience. So you've had some some real, like you said, great experience. You you've uh, got some credibility built up already. That's awesome. Today, Hannah, we want to talk a little bit about the concept of mindfulness, what that means, and how that applies to athletes. So let's let's kick it off with maybe defining what that concept really is. What does mindfulness mean? Well, mindfulness means being able to focus in the present moment. With one thing at a time. And is that something that's important for athletes to consider? Well, one of the great benefits for athletes is um, to be in the moment, to to be able to get in the zone. If we're in the past or in the future, we're putting important energy in not where we want it to be. (laughs) In in, in a different direction. In ineffective places. So uh, I think that uh, it, it, it would be obvious to, to assume that, yeah, mindfulness would be really important uh, to an athlete who wants to really excel and, and be successful on the field of competition. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life, and we are visiting with kinesiologist Hannah Rothland. We're talking a little bit about mindfulness. Now, we, we've defined it, and you've, we've kind of determined that it's important. Um, as an athlete yourself... Hannah, how did you, how do you, how did you feel, let me, let me phrase it a little bit differently. Did you apply mindfulness in, in your competition and how do you feel that it benefited you in the long run? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, in college and even after college, I, I was a triathlete after college. Um, but the way I applied mindfulness was not only spending time on the court, out, out in the field in practice, but I also spent time in doing visualization and meditation, visualizing the event, seeing my best performance, um, letting go of any worries, fears, doubts, and just being in the, in the moment and being able to focus on my best performance. So the stuff that we're going to talk about, you have actually put into practice and had success with. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, you, you mentioned a couple of things there, putting out of your mind the fears, the doubts. Those are, those are really performance killers, aren't they? Yes, they are. If we're spending time with anxiety or thinking about the, our worst performance, then we tend to, to go in that direction. But if we can get really focused and really clear on our best performance, feeling calm, feeling relaxed, then many, many athletes, our, our college athletes, our professional athletes, our Olympians, they spend a lot of time imagining and visualizing their best performance. Which is important. Sure. It is important. So um, just, a, just a little personal anecdote. Uh, last week I was out of town, and uh, Jeff filled in for me um, here on the radio show, and I was at a family reunion. And there was some competition there. Well, there's always some competition, right? Especially at your family reunions. There's always some competition, especially at my family reunions. And uh, my older brother um, has always beat me at everything that I've ever done. And uh, so my, bro- my dad and I challenged my brother and my brother-in-law to a horseshoe pitching tournament. And um, I, not, not intentionally, maybe, or maybe even slightly intentionally, but I feel like I kind of practiced this mindfulness idea and um, I don't, I don't know um, that I will ever be a, a world class professional horseshoe pitcher. But I won. My dad and I won that that uh, that series of games, which almost never ever happens against my older brother. I, I, I want you to know I didn't rub it in 
Hardly, Hardly at all. At all. <laughs> and another point is his dad does play horseshoes in the Huntsman World Senior Games. He does. So he was getting a little bit of practice in as well. But I, re- I remember um, that I had, you know, thrown several uh, pitches in a row that were not very good, you know, a, a little bit embarrassing. And I was starting to get in my head a little bit about, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe it's not my day. Des always beats me at everything, you know, those, those kinds of things. And I just took a deep breath and I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to approach this differently. And I just started to really focus on what I wanted to have happen. And again, I mean, I didn't throw a lot of ringers. Um, my dad scored most of the points. <laughs> but, but you didn't hurt him. But we won. You know, we won. That was the important thing. So uh, so I, I think there's something to it as well. I think there is. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the current trends in mindfulness and how it relates to athletic performance, both at the, the high level as well as maybe at the, you know, more the, the more amateur level. Well, it is a, a huge increasing trend. Um, the area of sports psychology um, for a long time has uh, promoted uh, inner wellness, has promoted visualization, meditation for, for athletes. And um, one of the reasons why our, our U.S. Uh, Olympians are as successful as they are is we put a high priority on those athletes practicing their their inner work as well as their their physical work so the the trends in mindfulness are really increasing considerably not only for athletes um, but for just the general public for peace of mind and lowering blood pressure and lowering anxiety um, and and a various various Evidence-based research is showing how um, meditation, mindfulness practice actually changes our brain. And um, so from a trending standpoint, because of uh, research and technology, it is showing actual physical changes in our brain. Wow. That's impressive. That's, that's like something to consider. That's right. something to think about in your mind, if you will. <laughs> I'm assuming <laughs> those are positive about. changes in the brain, not, not, you know, they're not atrophying, they're getting better. Yes, the, uh, what studies show is the prefrontal cortex, uh, the front of our brain, which is responsible for executive function, memory, concentration, that actually increases in thickness. Hmm. And then the deeper part of our brain, which is our fight or flight part of the brain, um, actually shrinks. Wow. wow. That's, That's pretty cool. That is amazing. So so what are some mindful techniques that an athlete might be able to employ, or even just a, the general person who's maybe not competing but just wanting to be healthier? Well, at the Live Well Center, uh, I've developed a class and teach a class called Inner Wellness, and we focus on four different techniques as a starting place. We practice and learn um, something just called a body scan, and it's taking some deep breaths and internally just checking in with how's your body feeling? Is there tension, tightness, or pain? Um, Then there's three other techniques that I teach in the class that could apply to athletes or or anyone. uh, A technique called progressive relaxation, where we focus at the top of our head and move down to our toes uh, from a muscle relaxation standpoint. And then uh, visualization, uh, being able to visualize uh, uh, a healthy body or visualize our best performance. Then there's various specific meditation techniques that are are broad and wide. But I just teach people basic tools that they can apply, whether it's for health concerns, preparing for a surgery, 
or um, if you're an athlete. So how long have, have we been aware of mindfulness? How long has this been a practice discipline? Well, um, in, it has been a practice discipline uh, around the world for, for a long time. And it's, we're, we're really beginning to embrace it um, in the West because we value scientific studies. Um, the practice of yoga, um, having the last portion of a class called Vipassana, which is just relaxing the body and mind. That's been around for a long time. But this idea of meditation and mindfulness um, has, in the, the, the West, it is about in the last 30 years, uh, has really be, kind of come to the surface as, as a mainstream practice. It's, it's not a religious practice. It's uh, a healthy practice. So it's kind of like it's one of the best kept not secrets in the world. It <laughs> sounds like it. Or at least in the Western world. It sounds like it. I want to back up just one step. You talked about uh, the progressive relaxation. Um, I've, I've heard of that technique before um, in a way that you start at the top of your head and work your way down to, the, to your toes. But you start out by flexing and tensing muscles and then relaxing and then working your way down. Is that what you're talking about or is that a separate um, you know, technique that has different benefits. There, uh, that is probably the most well-known uh, as uh, taught progressive relaxation, where you uh, tense the muscles and then relax them, and you go to each body part and do that. Uh, the benefit of that is it helps release tension that's held in the muscles and helps you really be able to focus on on that part of your body. So it's. Um, Many people come to my classes because they're not sleeping well. Mm. And so I teach them to use progressive relaxation when they get into bed to, to have something to focus on and tighten and release the muscles. Um, people have great success with that. Interesting. So if you're having a hard time sleeping, which we know sleep is so important. Uh, we talk about that regularly on our show, we how do. important it is. But if you're having a hard time sleeping, um, some of these mindful techniques can help you do that. So. You alluded to it earlier, but these are not just techniques for elite athletes. These are things that could help all of us, athlete or otherwise. Yes, yes. And if you're breathing, you could benefit from it. <laughs> well, we, we are. I, I seem to be breathing right now, so um, maybe I need to uh, put into practice some of these things. It's a good thing she didn't say if you can touch your toes right now, it'll benefit you, because then I'd be out of luck. Well, and I would too. You, you know, you know, <laughs> those... Flexibility is not our strength. That's not our <laughs> no, core it's strength, not, right? No, it's not. For sure. Well, excellent. So, this mindful concept, this mindful idea, uh, uh, you know, obviously you've talked about some of the benefits. Um, let's give you a scenario and, and how would you approach it from a mindful standpoint? You are a softball player at the Huntsman World Senior Games and you're getting ready to play in the gold medal game and you want to win. So, what, what would you do at that point? Well, uh, knowing that you're going into that gold medal game, um, practicing the inner focus, inner visualization before the game is a good idea. Uh, really being able to visualize your very best performance, visualize being calm, ready. And when you get into the game, be in that moment. Don't worry about what you, the, your, last, your last bat was or what's coming up. Just be in the moment and breathe and the best performance happens when we're in the moment. So let me ask you this. How detailed are you in your visualization? Do you visualize yourself being in the center field and throwing it to the home plate? Do you just visualize yourself having – I mean, how detailed do you get in your visualization? 
Well, there's two aspects of visualization. There's the seeing yourself in your performance, and then there's also feeling your performance. So it's not necessarily about the details of throwing throwing the ball back to home base. It's about seeing you um, feeling strong, being able to react quickly, and just feeling like you've played the best game you've ever played. I love that. Now here's my just wrap-up question. We're just about out of time. Do you have to go somewhere quiet to do that? Is that is this something you can do in the dugout? Do you need to get away from people, or does that kind of depend on the person? Well, it depends on the person. One of the benefits of practice, just like if you want to be a, a, a good softball player, you spend time on the field and you practice and you practice. You can benefit also from practicing being able to relax your body and your mind and visualize so that when you do get out on the field, you, you are well-versed in that and you can draw on it more quickly. But if uh, but taking a deep breath, it's, you can start anywhere. But I really <laughs> encourage people to practice five minutes a day uh, if you're an athlete, then you just incorporate it into to your regular workouts. But when you're on the field, it's time to just breathe and and each play, each moment. Uh, and if you make a bad play, you let it go and you go to the next the next thing. Be present. Be present. So it sounds to me like also this technique is like any technique. Practice, you get, you get better at it. With practice, you get better at it. If you want to practice. Catching fly balls, you need to practice catching fly balls. If you want to practice mindfulness, you need to practice mindfulness. Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for sharing your expertise. Um, I've learned some things. Yeah, it was wonderful as always. Yeah, excellent. Um, That's about all the time that we have, Hannah. But again, thank you so much for joining us. And just to wrap up, I want to emphasize, as I tend to do at the end of every show, now is the time to register for the Huntsman World Senior Games. Uh, registration ends on September 1st. So Less we're just, just a few weeks out from uh, the end of registration, and you don't want to miss out. In fact, we have almost 8,900 athletes that are already registered. Uh, we're on track to have a, a fantastic year, yes, maybe even a record year. So don't delay in getting your registration taken care of because you never know when your favorite sport might reach a participation right. cap. We have several sports that have already reached that cap. So it's easy to do, Jeff. It's it super is. easy to do. It All is. you got to do is go to our website, which is www.seniorgames.net. Easy to remember, seniorgames.net. You click on register, you follow the prompts, and before you know it, you can be an athlete at the Huntsman World Senior Games. Um, super easy to do, seniorgames.net. Click on register. Don't forget to tune in next and every Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. And Jeff, just to wrap it up as we always do, here's an inspirational thought for the day. Great. You ready? I'm ready. The expert in anything was once a beginner. That's so true. (laughs) That is so true. Until next Thursday. Stay active. Bye, everyone.